Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, I know you already heard my voice earlier. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but uh, my name is Aaron, lead pastor for Riverwood, and uh, it's our privilege to have uh, Aslan McCarthy with us today. Uh, before Aslan comes up, just a few uh, notes. Uh, when you walked in uh, to the room, hopefully you got one of our handouts. If you're joining us online, you can get that handout at bit.ly slash notesrw. The link is there on uh, your screen. Um, Inside there, you can see all sorts of announcements. I'm not, not going to take the time to read all through that. I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things. The first thing is that connection card that is in there. Uh, if you're part of the Riverwood family, we ask that you just fill that out. Just fill out the top line. And then if you have prayer requests, just put that on the back side, and uh, our elders will be absolutely honored to pray for you. Uh, if you uh, are a first-time guest and are willing to fill out the entire front of that card, we donate $5 to Compassion International on your behalf. Uh, Compassion is an organization that has a goal of releasing children from poverty, and they do it in Jesus' name. They work through local churches all around the globe uh, where kids have an opportunity to, to receive some clothing, to receive some food, to receive an education. But most of all, by working through a local church, they have every opportunity to hear the life-changing gospel of Jesus. And, and our hope is that as the lives of kids are changed, it changes families. And as enough families are changed, it changes communities. And if enough communities are changed, we change the world. So if you are willing, no pressure, we're not going to arm twist you into getting that card from you. But if you're willing to fill that out and uh, drop that in our giving box, which is on the back wall on your way out. We would really appreciate it. And then uh, later this uh, month or quarter, we'll get that sent off on your behalf. If you're joining us online and you can't, you don't have a connection card, uh, just simply uh, send uh, that to uh, Riverwood at weareriverwood.org. Just say, hey, I joined you this morning and uh, we'd be honored to do it on your behalf uh, as well. Uh, this week, uh, VBS is coming up. Uh, if you uh, have not signed up your kids and suddenly last minute you realize, oh, hey, we, we can do it this week, uh, by all means, it's never too late. Just show up uh, tomorrow night and uh, they will get your kids registered right there at the door. If you are a volunteer, uh, there is a mandatory meeting tonight. Uh, uh, so please show up at Life Church. That's at 6 p.m. Okay. Uh, so show up tonight for that mandatory meeting. Uh, there will be a kind of a, a large group activity, you know, just coordinating everything, and then you'll break off into the areas that you'll be serving in and uh, uh, get things ready and then pray for the uh, kids uh, this week. Uh, if you uh, suddenly realize you have time this week, we could still use more volunteers. So by all means, uh, you could uh, still go to the link uh, and sign up to become a volunteer. Even if you can only help out for one, two, three nights, uh, you, you're not available for all four. We'd still love to have you uh, just jump in and help out because we think it'll be a great week for these kids. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. All right. Uh, just one quick update. I don't think I have a slide for this, um, but I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of the uh, youth who are going on the mission trip to North Minneapolis. You guys donated uh, uh, over half of what they need. Uh, and so these guys are going to be able to send out letters and seek to uh, raise the rest of their support. But it is not too late. If you do still want to donate, uh, you can always put on your memo line and your check a youth mission trip to North Minneapolis, uh, or you can go online and uh, you can... Uh, Use the link, uh, the drop-down menu there, and indicate that you're donating towards that as well. Uh, any money that we raise above the uh, $1,200, $1,300 that we need to raise, uh, we're going to gift to North Minneapolis, uh, to Northside Neighborhood Church to help them out in their ministry. So, all right, do I have any other announcements, Caden? We're good? That's what I thought. Great. I'm actually on top of it this week. How about that? It's impressive. Uh, okay, so this morning, I'm super excited uh, that Aslan is with us. Uh, just uh, sh uh, She spent the night at our place last night. It was just an absolute delight over dinner. 
dinner and just sitting around uh, eating way too much ice cream uh, to hear more about her life, her ministry, and it just made me even more excited for her to come and share. So what we're going to do this morning is she's going to come share for about 10, 15 minutes about her ministry in Togo. Kids, I know you guys have some questions ready, so hold on to those because after she's done, I'm going to come up here and we're going to take your questions and uh, we're going to open that up and we'll learn all sorts of things about Aslan. So with that, Aslan, I'll have you come on up. Here you go. Good morning. morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Okay, because we have the kids with us, I'm really excited. So one of the things I get to do in Togo is work with some of our kids at our churches. And one of our favorite things to do at the beginning of services with our kids is to really just kind of get them excited, get them engaged, and and just welcome them help them to feel welcome at church. And so there's uh, there's a phrase that we like to say, so I say something and then the kids will respond, but you all adults, you can respond to. So it's in the local language. So what I say is, that means welcome in the local language. And your response to me is gonna be, yo, like yo. Uh, so just say <laughs> yo as loud as you possibly can. That's kind of how we get our kids excited about, okay, we're at church. So, but I will warn you that if, it's not loud enough. If you guys don't respond loud enough, I will ask you to do it again until I'm satisfied. So just be, be prepared for that. All right, so I'm going to say miawezolo. You guys are going to say yo. Are you ready? Okay. Miawezolo. Wow, that was really good. The first time around, you guys were ready. I am excited. Okay, I don't even need to do it again. You did great. Um, so anyways, uh, I want to try to make this as exciting for the kids too. So I'm trying not to bore you guys. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, Pastor Aaron said, my name is Aslan for those of you who haven't, who I haven't met yet. Um, I was able to be here back in September and so I'm seeing some familiar faces here. So I'm really excited to see you guys again. Um, just wanted to give you a little bit of an update on what's going on for those of you who weren't here last time too. And just for a refresher on kind of what you guys have been support, supporting and partnering with in Togo, um, and give you a couple of different stories of things that God has been doing among some of the Togolese people, and then some next steps as well. And then I'm really excited to answer some of your questions, especially the questions from the kids. So I can't wait to get to that part of it. But uh, so if you would move on to the next slide, that would be awesome. So just want to give you a broad idea of, of kind of what our, what our desire is, what our goal is as the Six Degree Initiative. So I'm working with Converge uh, is my mission agency. And so Converge is kind of divided up into, uh, they've got church planting here in the States, but then they also have international initiatives in several different geographic locations. And so ours is called the Six Degree Initiative. And so we're called that because as you can see on the, like on the map there, we're based on like the six degree latitude marker above the equator or uh, below the equator there. Um, and so that's why we're called the six degree initiative. But our, our God-sized goal, our God-sized vision is to see 190,000 disciples made among 10 unreached people groups in Togo and in the neighboring country of Benin. It's a, it's a huge God-sized goal, um, but we know that God can do it, and he's already starting to do that. We're already starting to see disciples being made and disciples who are then making more disciples who are making more disciples. It's been pretty cool, so we're really excited about that. So there are a couple of different ways uh, that we're really trying to see this goal to be met. And so we, uh, if you would move on to the next slide, please, our, our uh, projects that we have. Um, we are really big on church planting, and so that's kind of our biggest, most developed ministry that we have going on in Togo right now. So we're planning on doing that church planting there in Togo, um, but we also want to see that replicated in the neighboring country of Benin uh, someday as the Lord allows that. Um, we also are able to do um, 
camps. Camps is one of our biggest things because 70% of the population in Togo is under the age of 30 years old. It's a really young country. And, uh, and so we obviously, we wanna, we wanna be able to work with the youth as much as we possibly can to see them reach the next generations for, uh, for Christ. And so uh, we do a lot of, right now actually, we're gearing up to do a couple of kids camps uh, and we're really excited about that at, couple, at a couple of our churches, and our kids just absolutely love that. The, the last couple years that we've done that, we've, we saw hundreds of kids um, make professions of faith in Jesus through those camps, and it was um, a lot of them had never heard Jesus' name before at that point. And so some of the villages that we get to work in, it's like that. Um, a vast majority of the, the people in the village have never even heard the name of Jesus, have absolutely no idea who he is or what he did for them. Uh, 2,000 years ago. And so it's a huge gift. It's a huge responsibility that we hold to be able to bring Jesus's name to uh, to these places. Uh, so the, our, our youth camp is one of our really big ministries that we, uh, that we focus on. We also have a vocational training uh, ministry. And so we've got, so we work with church planting. Like I said, that's kind of our biggest thing that we're doing. And so we, we work with an organization called the Timothy Initiative, who is really all about building uh, church, uh, doing church planting, multiplication through church planting. And so, but w- what we find is that a lot of the pastors and church planters really have a hard time putting a meal on their table because it's just, it's hard to be in ministry there. It's hard anywhere, honestly, but really in Togo, as people are living day to day anyways, um, you just don't make very much money as a pastor or a church planter. And so, um, we, we asked the question, what would it look like to equip our church planters, our pastors, our lay leaders with some sort of skill, some sort of trade, whether that's a business, a small business, or um, carpentry, masonry, you know, things like that, so that they can do the work of their ministry, but they can also uh, provide food and, and you know, uh, things for their families. And what really is cool about that, too, is they're usually able to help the church with the trade that they that they have. So if they're an electrician and the church needs electrical work, you've got an electrician already uh, already certified within the church, and they can help with that for free or for a lower price. And so anyway, so we, we really um, see that as a good opportunity also for discipleship. Um, all of our, as of right now, all the people that are training are the Togolese leaders in these vocational uh, skills are Togolese people themselves. It's not actually us that's doing that work right now, which is really cool. So being able to, to pour into those people that have the apprentices under them so they can, they can then pour into those people below them who then can pour into people below them. So it's been a really cool, that's a really cool ministry that we have going on over there. And then finally, we have the deaf ministry. And you guys know that I'm most passionate about the deaf ministry. That's where the Lord has me right now. And um, so... Uh, I think I might have a slide about deaf ministry. Yes. Um, so the the deaf in Togo and in most of the world are considered to be an unreached people group. Um, and they actually are considered... <laughs> They're, they're considered to be the least reached among the least reached because when you think of an unreached people group, if you know what that, that looks like, usually it's, it's a, a group of people that don't have access to the Bible in their language or don't have access to a church in their village or um, don't have access to the gospel in some way. And that is the case for the deaf, except for them, for most of the deaf, a vast majority of them don't even have access to language. And so even if they did have the ac- access to the, the Bible in their language or the gospel, they wouldn't be able to understand it because they don't actually have a language yet. Uh, so there is sign language that's spoken in Togo, but most, uh, yeah, 
probably about 95% of the deaf in Togo will never have access to the education that's that's available because there's just so little of it. There's just not enough schools for uh, for the deaf population, and so most of the most of the deaf will be born, will live, and will die without ever having effective communication with another human, um, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. And especially, I mean, if you think about the the eternal ramifications of that of Yes, no, no human interaction, but also they don't, they won't have access to know who who God is unless Jesus shows Himself in a different way to them. And so uh, we see this as a really important opportunity to be able to pour into the deaf in Togo who who do have language and who can help other people to have access to that. And so we have our our vision for the deaf ministry is to see education. Uh, be more accessible for people that are deaf so that they're able to communicate, which will lead to life transformation, we pray, through the gospel um, once they have that ability to communicate and we have the ability to communicate with them. And so we're, we're really excited. Uh, God has just been moving like crazy in the deaf ministry here within the last year or so, and it's been really fun to just be a part of and to see. Um, we, we have the opportunity to kind of integrate our deaf ministry with the other ministries that we have going on. And so for the most part, all of the deaf people that we're finding are coming from our churches. They're in the villages where our church plants are. And so the pastors of those churches are having the opportunity to ask the question of what does it look like to minister to a deaf person? Uh, what does it look like to include them in our church? And what does it look like to, to see them have that access to education and communication so that they can be transformed by the gospel? It's been really, really cool to be able to do that. Um, so that was a lot of information. I wanted to share a couple of stories with you. Um, I was originally going to share a story about one of our guys named Mouse, um, but I felt like I should change that and, and do a story that's more uh, related to the kids. So this story is for you kids. Um, like I said, we love kids ministry in Togo, um, and we, we really value our kids because we know that they have the ability as well to make disciples and to uh, to learn about Jesus and to tell others about Jesus. And so we have kind of a, a tradition in our kids' ministries and all of our churches of if we teach a, a kid's lesson to our kids on a Sunday, we ask, okay, guys, you guys can go, how about you, you decide a couple of people that you're going to share this story with uh, that you just learned just now. And when we come back next week, we want to hear your story. Who did you share the story with? What was their response? What did they think about that? And um, and surprisingly, there are a lot of kids that do that. We usually have some sort of incentive, like we will um, we'll have a chalkboard and we uh, we have a tree. And so every time, like we we drew a tree on there. Every time a kid shares a story with another child, they get to come up and use the chalk and draw a leaf on the tree. And so now we've got these huge full trees filled with leaves, or we'll do flowers or whatever it is that that looks like. And the kid gets that opportunity to be like, hey, I shared this this story with my friend uh, and gets to come up and kind of share that with us. And so we have a little boy. He was, um, I'm trying to think, this is a couple of years ago. He was probably about eight years old at the time. He took this very seriously. When somebody asked him to go and share his the story uh, at um, that Sunday, with his friends at school the following week. He took it very seriously and shared the story with several of his friends. And uh, through the sharing of the story, I don't even remember what story it was, he actually led two of his friends to Christ as an eight-year-old boy. Um, and so I just want to encourage you kids as well, no matter what age you are, God can use you too. Um, and God wants to use you too. Uh, and so if you 
ever feel like God is, is pushing you to tell, I don't know, to share the story that you learned on, on Sunday with a friend or to just encourage a friend and tell them about Jesus, do it. God can use that. You never know what, what God will do with that. So that's, that's one of the stories. Um, the other story is, I think I've got a slide for it for Antoine. Um, if you get my newsletters, which I know some of you do, I shared this story in a newsletter here recently, but it's just one of my favorite stories ever. Um, when I was, when I was getting ready to come back to the States to, to start sharing at some of the churches, I really asked God, what is it that you want me to share with the church in America? And I really felt him leading me to, to share simple stories of, I, th- I think a lot of people think to be in ministry or to be a missionary is something that's this big radical thing, this, this uh, like, oh, you know, only special people could do that. Um, but as I started kind of praying and, and thinking about my journey to get to this point, it really wasn't, I don't feel like it was a really radical thing that, that I did. It was a lot of saying yes to really small steps that God was asking me to take that led to this point now. And so uh, God gave me a couple of stories or brought a couple of stories to mind of examples of what that looks like in the Togolese context of people saying yes to Jesus for small things and seeing him, God just multiply those things to, to make it into something big. So Antoine is one of our leaders. Um, I've had the privilege of pouring into him for the past few years, and uh, he's just an amazing guy. Uh, he So a few years ago, um, he was working in some fields, some cornfields, and he wanted to show me his progress on his cornfields. And so I went and we walked about a mile to get to his cornfield, and he he stopped in the middle of the field and was like, hey, Aslan, do you see that village, like, way over there? And so I was kind of looking in the distance. It was probably a couple miles away. I'm like, yeah, I, I see that. He's like, I don't know what it is about that village, but I feel like God is calling me to go to it. I don't know anybody in that village. I don't know what it's like there, but I just feel like I need to go. And so I was like, well, do it. Like, that sounds like a great idea. So he, uh, later that week, got on his bike, and he rode to that to this village. Come to find out the village the name is Aname. And so he started, he just kind of started going door to door, just telling people about Jesus. And pretty much immediately when he got there, he was, he was threatened. Things were thrown at him. He was asked to leave. Well, not really asked. He was told to leave. Nobody was wanting him to be there. It was, it was really rough. So come to find out later on, he figured out that the name Aname actually means in the local language, the place of sorcery. And so this place is just absolutely seeped in in really dark spiritual things. And that makes sense why it was so hard for him to get in there. But he still felt, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up again today and I'm going to go to this village. I may get a rock thrown at me, but I'm going to go to the village today. And through over the past couple of years, he has been faithfully going every week to this church. And people have been coming to know Jesus through his, his faithful testimony. And I think a big part of it is that he didn't give up. Pretty much anybody that comes into that village and gets chased away is not going to want to come back. And he kept coming back because he felt God kept telling him, go back, go back, go back. So fast forward to today, um, Antoine, he's 21 years old. He's about to graduate from high school, and he's about ready to plant a church in that village of Aname. And multiple people have come to know Jesus through those simple steps of obedience that he took that seemed really simple at the time, but it's cool to see the way that God has just multiplied those things. And so I, I would say it's the same for us, and it, it kind of led me to ask myself the question, what, what is the next step that God is asking me to take um, as well? What it, what um, what next step of obedience is he asking me to take that may be a little bit, maybe a little bit difficult, but may lead to, to really cool results. And so that's what I'm asking myself. And I encourage all of us to ask ourselves that question of, 
I don't know what it is that God is leading you guys toward or what he's putting on your heart, but asking ourselves, what is the next step? Because what's really cool is even just taking those small steps of obedience, it's been really cool to see the ways that God grows our faith when we do that, when we take even just a small step, um, grows our faith, grows our understanding of who he is. Um, and so I want that for all of us. I'm just kind of jealous for all of us to have that, that closer relationship with him as we just take those small steps, whatever that might look like. And so that's the question that I'm ask, that I'm asking us to ask ourselves. Um, and I, that's going to be different, obviously for, for each of you, but, um, when it comes to next steps for Togo specifically, if you feel the Lord calling you to participate more in what God is doing in Togo, there are a few options that we, that we give. So obviously give, pray, and go. Those are the, the, um, the, biggest steps that you guys can take or the most obvious steps, I guess, that you can take. I know you guys as a church already have been giving uh, financially and supporting this ministry, and I want you to know that I greatly appreciate that because you guys are as much a part of the ministry as, as our team is. We need, we need that in order to be able to continue to do what we're doing, and so I wanted to say thank you for that. Um, and there's always opportunities to give if you feel the Lord calling you to do that. Right now, the um, I'm, I'm mostly looking for help with, uh, with our deaf ministry specifically and getting some, some more faithful support within the deaf project so that we can continue to do what we're doing with the deaf. Um, and so if that's something that you're interested in, please definitely let me know. Uh, but I'd say the biggest, the biggest need that we have right now is, is prayer, um, faithful prayer for what we're doing because um, I was just telling Aaron and Leanne last night and their family that our team has been going through a lot of a lot of difficult transition, a lot of difficult things here within the past couple of years. And we know that it's that the enemy is pushing back on us because God is doing some amazing things. So please just be praying for, for our continued perseverance and steadfastness, not even necessarily, I mean, we want to pray for protection too, but we want to continue to, to keep pushing forward in what God is calling us to do, even when we have that, that pushback. Uh, please also pray that, that more people would join us. Uh, that's another, the go is, is another thing. We're asking for more people to come. And whether that's on a short-term trip, um, we offer internships for people that are high school, like uh, junior in high school and college age, that, that kind of age range. So we offer an internship every summer. We're actually about to welcome eight interns here within the next couple of days uh, over in Togo. And so it's an amazing opportunity to learn about yourself, your giftings that God has given you, and how to use those to, um, to see his kingdom come here. So that's always a cool opportunity. We offer also two-year uh, residency programs, too, for people that are interested in missions but maybe don't feel like, I'm not, maybe not ready to make that long-term commitment quite yet. Spending two years with us, you'll get a, a very good idea of what ministry looks like. Um, and if God is calling you to long-term missions. And then, of course, we're always looking for long-term global workers to come join us as well. Um, and so those are the kind of next steps that I would have for you guys. But again, whatever God is asking you to do, I encourage you to, to ask yourself that question too, of what would that look like to take that next step? And so that is, that is what I have for my part. I'm very excited to hear your questions. Um, again, especially the kids' questions. I think this is going to be fun. So thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, and it, yeah, if you wanted, I have my contact information there. Um, I just learned how to make QR codes. I feel like such an old person. I didn't know that that was a thing. I, I miss out on a lot of things that happen because I'm in Togo, and I'm like, you can make your own QR code, and it will take you to my contact information. To me, I feel very, like, tech savvy, even though it's not, it's not a hard thing. <laughs> uh, 2019. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, kids, we're going to start with you. So raise your hand. I'm going to call on you. You're going to say your question loudly. All right. And then I'm going to repeat it for everyone who's joining online so that they can hear it. Okay. So when you want to ask your question, just simply raise your hand. I'll call on you. Just read it nice and clear so I can understand it because I'm going to have to repeat it. All right. So we'll start over here with Everett. What do you do in your free time? That is a great question. Oh, man, I should have had a picture of Caspian on there. So I, I like to hang out with my dog. I have a German Shepherd that is my guard dog over there. So I do a lot of playing with him. I'll brush him, um, go on a walk with him. We, we live right by a lake, so sometimes I'll take him to the lake and he'll go swimming. Um, I hang out with my teammates quite a bit, and we do a lot of activities together. They actually, believe it or not, have go-karting in Togo. Um, it's not great. No. <laughs> it's a little a little sketchy, but it's very fun. So every <laughs> once in a while, we'll go go-karting as a team. And That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. All right, Galen. Okay, what's your first one? What is your church's name? My church, my church in Togo. Uh, my church in Togo, the name is The Solution Church. So it talks about Jesus being the solution to all of our problems. Okay, next question, Galen. What is your church service, your church service like? What is your church service like? That's, That's a good question. That is a great question. So the church service is pretty, it's actually kind of similar to here. So we'll have, um, we'll have a time where all of the people, the adults and the kids are together and we do worship together. What's really cool about worship in Togo is all like a lot of the people in the like a lot of the members have their own instruments that they bring so they'll have like a maraca type thing or a tambourine or there's this little like brass thing that you can hit and go ding 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 um it's pretty fun and so the everybody is involved in the musical part of the the worship time there's a lot of clapping and singing and dancing and stuff so we'll do worship together and then we'll separate and the kids will go over to their own building and the adults will do their time together the kids will do a lot of uh they'll do story time and games and singing and and then we're done nice okay and then the last one what is the pastor's name that is a great question too the pastor's name is ben and if so, if you ever think to pray for Ben, that would be really helpful. He needs some prayers right now. Okay, awesome. Joanna. How did you get involved in Togo? Did you guys make these questions up yourself? Man, this is awesome. Great job. <laughs> um, that is great. So um, I was just telling Cheryl this story earlier. So God, so I, I, when I graduated from college, I went to Africa for the first time. And when I, when I landed in Africa, it felt like home to me, which was very odd because I'd never been to Africa before, but something just felt like, oh, I think, I think God is calling me here. And so um, when I got back from that first trip to Africa, I started asking God, Where, what, did it, what is it that you want me to do? Um, and he, I went through, I went to a couple of different countries before I landed in Togo, but um, it ended up being a really good fit. And so that was kind of how it all started was that first trip to Africa. Good. And your second question. How did you what? Oh, how did you meet Mao How did I meet Mao That's a great question too. So, um, so in Togo, there are a couple of deaf schools, so schools for the deaf. And one time I went and visited one of those schools, and I found out that the school also had a church attached to it. And I was very interested in that. Um, it was a completely deaf church, so I went and visited the church, 
And the person that was teaching at that time was Mouse. Uh, so Mouse is deaf. He was born deaf. And, uh, but he, there was something about him that just drew me to him. He just is so exuberant and loves the Lord. And so I went and met him afterwards and introduced myself and we found out that he is a carpenter. And so, um, we actually needed some work done on our house for, uh, some carpentry work. And so we're like, Mouse, why don't you come out and work on our house? And so in the meantime, while he was working on the house, I built up my courage to ask him, Hey, would you mind coming out here and teaching me sign language? Uh, sometimes, and that was how I learned sign language. So he's been coming to my house for about two years, a couple of times a week, and he teaches me sign language, and we talk about Jesus together. It's pretty great. That's awesome. All right, let's come back over here. Uh, Amelia. How many people have you taught what? Sign language. Uh, yes, I have... I have not taught very many people sign language. Um, I've done, I've worked with two kids directly teaching them sign language, but the rest of the time we really try to get them into a school so that they can learn with other deaf kids. Uh, but uh, the two kids that I taught, I taught them for a couple for a couple of months, and then we're, we were able to send them to school after that. So, yep. Excellent, excellent, great question. All right, uh, over here, Bastion. My favorite thing to do. Just in general, in Togo, oh man, my I think one of my favorite things to do is um, whenever we meet a new deaf. Usually, we're, when deaf people come to us, they're children most of the time. The parents will bring the deaf children to us, and so whenever we meet a new deaf child, it's my job to go and meet their family and to talk to them about their about their child and what their child needs and things like that. That's one of my favorite things to do because it's a really good opportunity. Most of the people that we're working with don't know Jesus yet. And so, um, so it's an opportunity not only to talk to them about their child, their deaf child, and how the, their child has worth because they're made in God's image, but we get to talk to the family about Jesus too. And sometimes people can come to know Jesus through that, that time. It's a really, that's probably my favorite thing to do. That's awesome. All right, Toby. How many, week, how many days a week do you what? Go to service? Like go to church? Um, just one day a week, just on Sundays. Just like here. Yep. All right, Gabe. Oh, Caleb. Sorry, Caleb. I apologize. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess up someone's name. Uh, how many people are in your church? Good question. Oh, that is a great question. I am going to have to guess on that. I know on average we have about 50 kids, about 40, 30, 40 adults. So, yeah, but 90, 100 people in the church. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Max. That is a wonderful question. Most of, most of the kids do not come with their parents. Um, there are very few fam like entire families that come to the church. So mostly it's, it's the kids come. And a lot of times, actually, the kids will invite their parents, which is a really cool thing when their parents show up. But most of, most of the kids cool. don't have parents that come. That's cool. All right. Uh, Miss Claire, you're hiding back there, so I just saw your hand. What, what's your question? Say it nice and loud for us. What do you do during your day? Uh, yeah, so that, that changes pretty much every single day. Um, but so sometimes it can, that uh, my day can look like having Mouse come over and teach me sign language or we can, we're, you know, working on stuff together. Sometimes I get to go to a deaf school and we get to teach Bible stories to the deaf kids there, which is awesome. I, it's Friday, every Friday we go and do that best day ever. Um, that might be my favorite thing, actually, now that I think about it. 
Anyways, um, <laughs> a lot of favorite things. Uh, sometimes it looks like just hanging out at home and doing writing emails to people because I got to you know got to keep in touch with some people, or uh, writing a prayer letter. Um, sometimes hanging out with our team. Sometimes it's meeting a deaf child and his family or her family. Uh, sometimes I really just have to spend the whole day in the Capitol going grocery shopping because it takes an entire day to do pretty much anything. Um, so yeah, the, it could look like any of those things. Yes, yes. All right, Miss Maggie. You have a question. Go ahead. What is a missionary? Hmm. That is a deep question. Uh, a missionary really is anybody that is that wants to tell people about Jesus. And so I think any of us in here can be missionaries. Um, sometimes that means t telling your neighbor about who Jesus is. Sometimes that means going over to Africa and telling people in Africa what, who Jesus is. Uh, so I think it's anybody that wants other people to know who Jesus is and tells them about them about him. That's good. Second mm -hmm. question. What, what do I eat? What do you eat? Um, well, <laughs> uh, I... I eat a lot of different things. So if you want the answer of like, what do, what do, we, what do I eat if I'm eating Togolese food? Um, it's a lot of uh, starchy things. So like rice, we do a lot of rice. Um, there's, a, there's something called, that we call pot that is, uh, it's pretty much just, <laughs> it's, like, it's cornmeal that is just like pounded, it's boiled and then it's pounded and it makes this sort of like paste. You probably had something like that in Kenya. I feel like every oh. African country has their own Kay. version of this, but it's like, it ends up looking like mashed potatoes pretty much. And you take a piece of the mashed potato off and you dip it in yep. sauce. Yep. Uh, so there's there's a lot of that. So it's usually you've got a starch of some sort. The sauce is really the winner. That's the important part. So you've got a tomato sauce or an okra sauce, a peanut sauce, something like that. And you you dip your pot in there. And um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm just curious: is as you grind it, is it in stone? So it's stoned. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't couldn't resist. As so. a matter of fact, it is. <laughs> yes. Good one. Yes. Dad joke for the day. All right. Uh, let's go back uh, to uh, Bennett. So you have two questions? Okay. What state were you born in? I was born here in Iowa. Yeah. She's an Ankeny girl. Yep. Why did you become a missionary? That is another great question. So I became a missionary. So um, I, when I went to Africa the first time, I really saw that there were a lot of people, a lot of kids especially, that were, um, that were really ignored and weren't treated very well and needed somebody to help. To speak for to help speak up for them, uh, so for instance, people that are that are orphans that have lost their parents or people that have a disability of some kind are just really not treated very well in a lot of the world. And so when God kind of showed me that, um, it really it really broke my heart, and I felt like He was calling me to to leave America, where I feel like we do a pretty good job of of treating people um, with love for the most part, uh, and going to a place where maybe that, that doesn't happen as much. And so I felt like God was calling me to, tell, to talk about Jesus to people like, like the deaf or people uh, or orphans or, you know, people that are kind of ignored a lot in, um, in general. Oh, all right. Uh, Miss Lucy, is your hand up? Yeah, what, say your question. What does Togo look like? 
Togo, so it depends on where you are in Togo. Where I live, I live in the southern, like the southern part of Togo, so I actually live right by the ocean. And so there's a lot of sand and a lot of water. Um, so yeah, I can, I can pretty much get to the ocean in about five, 10 minutes from my house. It's really, really close. Uh, so we have pretty much, there's some regular roads like with, with concrete and stuff like that. There is some, there are some of that, but most of the side roads are all dirt and sand roads. Um, and so there's that, there's a lot of palm trees and coconuts and we have mangoes and bananas and things like that. So it's a pretty tropical kind of look to it. Nice. All right. Uh, I need to come back over here ever again. Do you get paid to be a missionary? Oh, do I have to pay? Or do you have to pay? So does she have to pay in order to be a missionary? Okay. I do not have to pay anything. I do, um, I do raise support. And so I, before I went to Togo, I asked, uh, a lot of people are supporting me financially to, in order so that I can get paid to do it. But I don't have to pay anything to do it. Um, uh, how many churches uh, financially support you? I have seven churches, including Riverwood, that, yep. that are partnering with me. Great. Okay. Uh, yes, Ethan. Mm. Oh, man. It's a dangerous question. You can get away with it at your age, how, buddy. How old do you think I am? <laughs> so that was a smart, actually, it was a smart response. Uh, 27? Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm 31. <laughs> you were close. Uh, I just want to make sure anyone who hasn't asked a question yet gets an opportunity. No? Okay. Go ahead, Joanna. Is, are you allowed to pray in the open and talk about God uh, in Togo? Yes. Uh, for the most part, yeah, we are allowed to do that, which is really nice. Um, there's there's limits to it. We can't necessarily go into a public school normally and talk about God to the kids. Um, but just, yeah, if we went to somebody's house, we could very easily talk about Jesus to anybody that we wanted to right now. Um, yeah. That's a good question. That's a really right. good question. Bastion, did you have another one? Why do you call the food pot? So I think it, I think it comes from the, there's a French word that is pot, that means pasta, but it also can mean paste. And so I think that's what it means. I think it just literally means paste. And so, which is kind of a weird thing to eat paste, but, um, but it kind of does have a little bit of a paste texture. All right. A big kid. Ed. <laughs> Yeah. Is the culture more Western, Eastern? What's the culture like? Um, it's a good question. I would say, yeah, I feel like Africa kind of has its own culture. Uh, and it's so sub-Saharan Africa versus Northern Africa. There's going to be some differences there. Um, as far as like, uh, I, w I would say overall, Togo at least, is a what we would call a warm culture and so they're very much very hospitable very um very kind people super kind and open um spiritually they're very much open to talking about spiritual things to to most of sub-saharan africa everything has a spiritual component to it and so whether you serve jesus or allah or whether you serve idols that are in your house uh everything that happens is spiritually related. And so it's really nice, actually. It creates really good opportunities for us to just be able, to, it's not hard to make an end to have a conversation about spiritual things, and they're usually pretty open to, to hearing about that. Um, so I guess that, that, I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, 
So yeah, I mean, a lot of times, yeah. So for the most part, the the people there will serve multiple multiple gods, um, and that comes in the form of of actual like idols, physical idols. It looks different depending on the uh, the situation, but. Um, yeah, I think generally speaking, we have to make it very clear from the beginning that Jesus isn't just one of your idols. Uh, this is this is the one true God, um, and kind of speak in that kind of language because it could just add, you know it could just be like okay, I'll add him to to my idols that I have in my in my yard. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so from the very beginning, we're very clear about that that Jesus is the one true God, and uh, we can't serve anybody else other than him. And so, but yeah, I would say. For the most part, if we didn't say that, it would probably be just let me just add him to my gods. Yeah, that's a deep question. Okay, another question. Nelia. Okay. Why did you choose Togo? Yeah, that is a good question because there are a lot of different African countries that I could have chosen, and I actually tried to go to several different African countries before I landed in Togo. Um, it So... Ultimately, this was a lesson that that I learned uh, when I was trying to figure out where God was calling me to go. When uh, I had picked a couple of different countries, and I was I was very much like, "This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing." And I really, I really kind of was prideful in that of like, mm-hmm. "This is this is my choice. I I choose this country." And God very kindly shut the door in my face on those countries because just as a lesson of. This isn't about what you want. This is about what I want for you. And so after I had had the, I, it took me a while. My, I'm a little bit, it takes me a while to learn things sometimes. <laughs> um, I did that a couple of different times. I think three different times where I was like ready to go. I was going to do it. And God just shut the door in my face. I finally realized, okay, I need to hold all of this with open hands. And God opened the door to Togo. And I went and visited and it was a perfect fit. And so it actually ended up working out. I was grateful that the other doors were shut. Um, but that was how I landed in Togo was God just, he was humbling me. He was teaching me to be more obedient and to hold things loosely. So it's a good question. You said you had two. Oh, are there any jobs like firemen or policemen? Yes, there are. There are. Unfortunately, there are not very many firemen. Uh, we could use some more of those, but there are police pretty much everywhere. You'll actually see if you're driving on the the highway, uh, every once in a while there will be police stops, and they'll just stop you, and sometimes they'll talk to you. Sometimes they will just let you pass by, just making sure that everything's okay, making sure you have all your documents and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, the police are everywhere. We see those quite a bit. But firemen, not as much, mostly in the cities, not really in, in uh, villages. Yes. Too many times. I don't. I don't like it when the police talk to me over there. Yeah. It gets me all scared and nervous. Uh, but they usually just want to just be like, "Hey, how's it going? What are you doing here? Uh, would you like to buy me a coffee or something?" And <laughs> I. So I usually say no to that. But <laughs> uh, that brings up a question I have. So on my exploratory trip to Kenya, one of the things that was shared with me there is how corrupt the country is in its culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see that same level of corruption in Togo? Yeah, unfortunately, there is a lot of corruption in Togo. Uh, there's a lot of bribes that take place. That's why I don't like when the police talk to me because they're usually looking for something, uh, some sort of bribe, and we don't do that there. We, as just as a principle, we don't bribe anybody there, um, and so that can get us into some sticky situations sometimes. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the government too is is pretty corrupt. It's it, it's called the democracy there, but it's very much, oh, mm. the president won by 99 percent. You know, <laughs> like that doesn't happen. 
normally. So, uh, so we we say that we have the longest standing dictatorship outside of North Korea at this point because the same oh, family wow. has been ruling for over 50 years, like 55, almost 60 years. Wow, um, which is pretty crazy. So, there's definitely corruption in that in that okay. aspect of it. It's yeah, unfortunately. Okay, all right. Saw so a couple more hands. Uh, Joanna, you had another one. How many hours a day do you work? Uh, again, that very that depends on the day. Um, it could be anywhere. Usually, I mean, I'll usually get at the very minimum seven to eight hours of work in a day, depending. Um, but during camps, for instance, it's a that's that's a twelve-hour day easily. It's can be there can be some pretty long days there. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're gonna go another big kid, uh, Darren. It's open. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Is there a Togolese Bible? Yeah. Yep. So there are. Um, there. So there are about forty different dialects spoken in Togo. So there's a lot of different languages spoken. I would say not all of them have a Bible in their own language yet, um, but they usually the the like the mother tongue will have the the Bible in their language, and the people who speak the different dialects will just have to try to figure it out. So yeah, there are different there are different um, Bibles within Togo that is in their own language, and it's just the same. It's it's translated from the the original Bible. All the stories are the same. They actually really relate to the agricultural kind of stuff, which is really nice, actually. Uh, that, that really is their language, is is those kind of agricultural stories and things like that. So, yeah, it's the same Bible, just in, in their language. Nice. Yep. Good. All right, Michelle. This is kind of a weird question. Um, I know that prayer can, will can feel much different in different languages in different parts of the world. And my question is, um, do you pray the Lord's Prayer with the children and the, and the other people in your church? And what does that look and sound like in, in that local language? Um, that's a great question. So prayer... Uh, prayer does look pretty different over in Togo than what we're used to here. I think we would see it, people that come in either have the reaction of, wow, this is very disorganized, or wow, this is really powerful. Um, so generally speaking, when there when it's prayer time at church, uh, the, there's somebody that's leading the prayer time, and they'll give an, a, a subject to pray about. Like, let's pray for our children. Let's pray for our, the pregnant women in the church or something like that. And so they'll give the prompt to pray, and then everybody will just start praying at the same time. And it's everybody's praying out loud, um, sometimes very loudly, just desperate, desperate prayers. Um, but it's all praying all at the same time until that leader says, okay, amen, and then he moves on to the next thing. But prayer there is very powerful to me, just watching it and participating in it. Um, because it's, I, I see them praying out of desperation, out of I need to pray versus, oh, this is something that I have to do. Um, that, that time is the most powerful time for them is the prayer time. Um, and they see a lot of things come to fruition because they're so fervent in their prayers. But yeah, so that's kind of what it ends up looking like is it, it does seem chaotic for people that aren't used to it. Um, and sometimes they'll use instruments too. They'll be shaking like their maracas while they're praying too. Um, I think mostly just so that to drown out some of the, the prayers, if they're more private prayers that they're trying to pray and don't want everybody hearing that necessarily. Um, but yeah, so it, it looks a little bit chaotic, but I find it to be very powerful. Max, and I'll go back there. Max, 
things in Togo feel modern? Um, for the most part, no. Um, if you're in the capital city, you'll see some, I mean, there's some skyscrapers, skyscrapers, I don't know, they're not really skyscrapers, but you'll see some, some modern things, um, some more modern looking restaurants, but it's really only in the capital city. Once you get out of there uh, and you're in villages and stuff, everything looks pretty, uh, whatever the opposite of modern is, pretty not modern. We do have electricity. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Yeah, we do have electricity, and weirdly enough, we have fiber optic Wi-Fi in Togo. Somehow wow. I got there, which is amazing. <laughs> so sometimes my, my internet in Togo is better than it is here in the States. Um, but, yeah, so we have those. We do have those things. We have electricity and running water in our homes, but a lot of the Togolese don't have that. Um, like in the, probably our neighbors across the street don't have, maybe have electricity, but don't have running water and, and things like that. Yeah, Kwong. For, for those online, uh, the question basically is, you know, are there traces of the one true God, uh, even among the different religions and stuff of Togo? Hmm. You know, that's a really, that is a really interesting question. I think the, the, the one off the top of my mind, the one thing that I can think of is in their culture, they're, they're all about, so it's, it's voodoo that they, uh, is the religion there for the most part, voodoo and animism and things like that. But what is interesting is a lot of what they do as far as sacrificing to their idols and things reminds me a lot of the Old Testament of like what use, what it used to be like before Jesus. And so to me, they are, they feel like they have to appease this, this God or these gods that they're trying to serve, which um, again, it's, it's kind of something that you, that Used, you used to have to do before Jesus came um, to have these sacrifices and things. So to me, that's the closest I can think of. Of uh, it's a it's a really cool opportunity for us to be like, hey, we actually the, our our religion used to do the same thing back in this time. But you want to know about a sacrifice that that happened once and for all and made it so that we don't have to do sacrifices anymore. It's really kind of cool actually to be able to create that bridge. So I think there are little traces of it there of. And it, it, that does speak to their heart a lot of, wow, I can't imagine living a life where I don't have to sacrifice to my family idols anymore, um, where I don't have to live in fear that I'm going to be hurt or injured because I'm not giving to these idols. Uh, to, ha to imagine one sacrifice covering all is very appealing, I think, to them. And so I, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's probably the closest that I, that I can think of. All right, just a couple more here. We're going to go uh, Caleb, and then I'll come back over to Alex. How do you remember what? Oh, how do you remember all the signs in sign language? Uh, I don't always remember them. I have to say I make a lot of errors that are really kind of funny sometimes. Um, I feel like I need to share one of those. Can I share sure, one yeah, of those? Sure, yeah, please. Um, okay, so I was working with Mouse, my sign language teacher, and we he, he some there was an American that came over to Togo and gave some American food to some of like some uh, dried beans or something to some of the Togolese in their neighborhood. 
And so he had gotten these, I think they were black-eyed peas, these like dried black-eyed peas. And so he was like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to make this. But there was a recipe on the back. And so I was trying to, it was in English, of course, so he couldn't read it. So I'm like trying to explain to him, how do you make this, this soup, this black-eyed pea soup? And so the first ingredient, I was telling him all the things that he needed to gather and stuff like that. I was okay. So the first thing you need to do is you get your pot, <laughs> your like whatever, and then you put in oil to it. That's the first thing that you have to do. So the uh, the sign, let's see if I can do it. The sign for oil is this. This. This is oil. Okay, so that's what I should have remembered how to do. What I did instead was this, which means blood. So <laughs> I... <laughs> So I, I'm like, okay, first thing you need to do, get some blood, put it in your, put it in the pot. And he's just kind of like, yeah, what pea am soup. I making? Uh. Like, what am I making? So to answer your question, sometimes I don't remember them. Uh, so I just, a lot of them are pretty self-explanatory. Like I can, I just can kind of like think logically in my head, uh, like this, this is chicken, you know, like chickens have okay. uh, the little thing, whatever. So it's like, sometimes it's just easy to remember. Sometimes I need to ask for help. And so if I need to ask for help, I'll just spell it. So I have all the letters on my hands. I can spell it and he can, my, you know, a deaf person can tell me what it is, uh, but it is tough. Sometimes I make funny mistakes. That is hilarious. All right, Alex. How did Converge and Riverwood partner up? Um, outside of uh, Aslan. Okay. Um, so uh, when God called us into church planting, um, I had never been part of any sort of denomination or association, so I just made an assumption that's this church that we would start would be. Um, it was after we'd found Waverly, uh, I met someone who uh, was, uh, um, he was actually part of a different group, kind of trying to recruit me to join up with their initiative. And there just were some things that weren't in full alignment. Uh, and as we talked, he says, you know, you sound like you'd be a great match with Converge. And at that time, all I knew about Converge was that they used to be the Baptist General Conference. And so I even said to him, like, isn't that just the Baptist General Conference trying to be cool? And he's like, no, there, there's some really, really good things happening. So I began to investigate, and I started seeing this heart for the gospel, this heart for discipleship, you know, because a lot of, uh, uh, you know, especially among Baptist networks, I just felt like a lot of it was about their buildings, their budgets, and their big shots. And I just wanted to be a part of churches that were trying to help people find Jesus and follow him. Um, and I started finding that and converged. So that just led to some other conversations uh, and uh, started realizing there was a good partnership here. Um, so, yeah, so uh, as we were moving to Waverly uh, was, is kind of how that all formed up. Uh, and then, yeah, that's kind of how uh, Aslan reached out. Aslan had been part of uh, Prairie Lakes uh, 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 you know, internship and, uh, you know, really involved there. And so I got a letter from John Fuller, uh, the pastor at Prairie Lakes, and uh, said, hey, just want you to know about this girl. She's going to be contacting you. She's really cool. I vouch for her. You need to listen to her. And I don't even know if Riverwood had launched yet uh, when we first met. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's like, well, this is kind of awkward because you're still raising fundraising, and yet I'm fundraising. But this is kind of great, you know, and then Aslan just would check in probably once a year, just like, hey, how's Riverwood doing, you know, anything I can pray about for you, um, and uh, so just, you know, finding out about her ministry, and she just continued to pray for us, uh, and so when uh, we finally formed our little kind of missions decisions team, um, we first decided what are the parameters we want for choosing who we would partner with for international missions, uh, and once we had set those, we then had, I, I don't know, what do we have, like seven, eight different 
applications in a sense. And uh, we poured through all of them. And uh, as we worked through it, uh, we were originally going to just pick one, um, but it was pretty obvious to the whole entire team. I mean, it was pretty unanimous that, that it was Aslan and the Smiths who were in Cambodia that we just felt this really affinity for. Um, and so, yeah, it was really easy to just let Aslan know, like, hey, your faithfulness in praying for us is paying off because we want to now be praying for you. Um, so that's how that, that partnership happened. Yeah. What's your favorite part of serving in Togo? Oh, man. Um, I would have to say just seeing the deaf ministry come come to where it is now. Um, I So when I had originally come to Togo, I didn't know what I was going to do over there. We didn't have a deaf ministry started at all. There was nothing. And I had I had felt God put the the deaf on my heart quite a way quite a while before I got to Togo and didn't have any idea why or what God wanted me to do with it because we weren't doing anything. And so um, when I had just been in Togo for a couple of months, our team leader told us we were going to start working with the deaf as a team, and I just freaked out. I was so excited because I mean, again, it was just a step of of faith at that point. I don't know what I'm going to do in Togo. I know there's something I can do, but I don't know what it's going to look like. And to have God just be like, give me this present of like, I put the deaf on your heart for a reason. Why don't you start working with them now? Um, and so to be able to see it from that point when I was just on, just had gotten on the ground to where it is now five years later, um, seeing that we have, I mean, we're partnered with quite a few deaf people now, um, working with raising up deaf people to reach more deaf people. It's the dream. Like this is, this is the best thing ever. And so I think just being able to see what God has done and the way that he's pieced things together within the puzzle to make it what it is now is just, it's probably the best thing to me. I could talk about the deaf forever. Um, and so I, I'm just excited about, about that part of it. Um, um, Aslan's going to be out here at the uh, table. Uh, you saw her banner when you walked in, uh, so she'll be hanging out for a while. So feel free to go up and ask her more questions, uh, hear more about her ministry, uh, just say hello. Um, but I, uh, before uh, we end with her, I would like us to, as a church, to pray for her. So would you please join me? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, putting Aslan in our lives and connecting us with her. Uh, thank you for the call that you put on her. Uh, Lord, I realize the, the call that she is following is the call that you've given every single believer. Uh, that is to, to know you and to make you known. And as she has been growing in her faith, just this desire to make you known and, and watching you lead her to Africa and to Togo and to the deaf, um, and realizing that you can do similar things through us. It may not be to Africa. It may not be to another country or another state. It may just be to our friends at school. It, it may just be to our, our coworkers. Uh, it may be to uh, the person who lives next door to us. But, Father, the same call ex uh, extends to us. And so thank you for the, the encouragement it brings to hear just of a, a regular girl from Iowa uh, who got a degree at UNI giving her life to make you known among people and that we would follow that same thing that we would just be regular people from Iowa, that we would go and make your gospel known uh, right here and, and around the world. Um, Lord, we do pray that you would provide. You would provide the uh, emotional support. She and her team have been through a lot. Uh, thank you for the ways you have shown them your presence and your power, but we pray that it would continue. Uh, give them strength. I pray for wisdom, um, especially for J Josh uh, Freeman uh, the, uh, as he steps into this uh, director role uh, for the Sixth Degree Initiative. Uh, may you just give him wisdom, protect his heart, protect his mind, protect his eyes, uh, help him to be a man of integrity. And, and as he senses you with him, he would just have confidence in, in the ways you are working around him. 
uh, and I pray that his team would just be a, a, a joy to him. Uh, so I pray for unity, Lord, just knowing that over the years, many missionaries have left the field because of, of a lack of unity within their teams. And so we pray for that protection, that there would be complete unity among this uh, Sixth Degree Initiative because there is such an important work that needs to take place. So, Father, we just pray you would thwart any efforts of the enemy to, to try to stop it, uh, to, to, to interrupt the, the church planning that is happening. As a, we as a church have been studying Acts. We've seen the ways that Satan tries to stop things, and we know he's trying to do that there, and he's trying to do that here. But we thank you, God, that you are more powerful than him, that greater is the one that lives within us than the one who's in this world. And so, Father, help us to take great comfort, to have peace in knowing that you are more powerful than anything Satan can throw at, at you and your people. Um, Lord, I, I just pray for Aslan that you just continue to bring comfort to her heart. She continues to mourn the loss of her dad this uh, past uh, April, uh, that you would just continue to, to show her your, your presence and your power, that you'd continue to bring healing. Thank you for the opportunities she had to see her dad, to interact with him, and I just pray you continue to bring healing to her heart so that when she returns in August, uh, she realizes that you have been at work through this uh, time back in the States, and she is going back refreshed, and she's going back uh, just in awe of you, that, that even though these things were unexpected to her, they weren't to you, and you've been working in the midst of them. And Lord, continue to give Riverwood wisdom to know how to support her, uh, to just put her on our heart, uh, put her on our minds, uh, that we would just see her her picture on that little card and uh, be reminded to pray for her, uh, to lift her up. Uh, Thank you, God, for putting her in our lives and just give us uh, even opportunities to increase the ways we can support her, whether financially or prayerfully, or even begin to put together plans for how we might be able to go over, uh, whether it's short term or maybe there's even someone here that needs to go and become part of the Six Degree Initiative. Uh, I pray you would do this, Father, for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom, because we know that as we get to serve you, to honor you, and, and watch you work in these ways, we will find incredible joy in it. So, Lord, give Aslan and her team that joy that even on the toughest days, they know that, uh, that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. Nothing stops that, and uh, they can continue to move forward with confidence because of who you are and what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, as Aslan was up here sharing, uh, it just suddenly hit me the, this verse out of Romans. Uh, many of you know this verse, and it just feels like it's very appropriate as we go to communion to work toward the close of our service. Uh, Paul, in, in writing this famous letter to the church in Rome, he just said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. But what jumped out at my mind was the last phrase. We don't often think of that. It, many Christians who know this verse, they quote that first part, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. But the last part says that this gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus was a Jewish man. He came and embedded the gospel among the Jewish people. God has been working through the Jews, and it was through them he brought salvation. But it didn't stop there. God did not discriminate. It it wasn't based upon racial lines. This gospel was for everyone. And and many of you in this room, this gospel has come to you. You know it. You've received it. You've heard it. But there are people around the world who need this. This isn't just for us. This is for everyone. Um, And so as we go to the communion table, may we just go with thanks that that God has brought this gospel to us, but that we would then also take that to say, but God, there are people that you need to get the gospel to. There are people who've never taken communion. 
they, they don't know what this is all about. And so let's, let's just make that part of our prayer. Uh, if you happen to be here today and uh, you, you're not a follower of Jesus, and, and some of the kids, I'm, I'm talking to you, some of you, you're not sure, you know, yeah, this is what mom and dad believe, but you still have questions. Um, as we go to these communion elements, uh, some of your moms and dads may say, hey, this, this isn't for you. It's not because they're trying to keep something away from you. They're not trying to rob you of any joy or anything, okay? Because this isn't about a snack, all right? We're going to leave here in a little while. We're going to go get to have lunch. You're going to get food. This is about Jesus. This is about what Jesus did on a cross and through an empty tomb. It's his body that was broken for us. It's his blood that was shed for us, all right? So, so kids, if your parents know that you've put your faith in that, then, then they're going to say, yeah, let's go. Let's do this as a family. But if they know that you've still got questions, you're not there yet, it's not because they're trying to keep you from something good. It's because they know there's something better, that there's Jesus. And, and so during the song, at, at any point, families, feel free to get up, go to the communion elements on the tables. Um, but, but kids, if, if you're still wondering and questioning, then take this time during the song to just pray, right? So don't worry about these communion elements. Instead, just ask God, is it all true? Is, is everything that Aslan is trying to do in Togo, everything that River was trying to do here in Waverly, is this whole entire thing true? Did Jesus really come to this earth to die on the cross for my sin? And if so, God, I want to put my faith in you. So let's go now to the communion tables in remembrance of him.